Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. That being said, are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? It's going to be fun today. I tell you, it's a, um, it's a, a, a word that has been stirring in my heart for a long time. Uh, from all of the people who were here at the first service and watched uh, online the first service, my phone, I had to take it out of my pocket uh, because my phone is just going off nonstop uh, with people texting me and messaging me and saying, Pastor, uh, that was the best word I've ever heard on this subject ever. And that, that was life-changing to me. And you said you, you really solved some issues in my life that I didn't, I didn't even realize I had. I, I, some people respond this morning and said, Pastor, I, I didn't even know that I really struggled with that. I, I really didn't. And then when I heard you, I realized I do struggle with that. And I repented this morning. I, I, I'm a new person. And I, I'm telling you, my, my phone is just going crazy this morning like I've never seen before, to, to be honest with you. And... Um, and I, I want to say this uh, before we go any further, that what I'm about to teach you this morning, it, 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 it is something that, it, it's something that the Lord put upon my heart, and, he, and he, he, he just showed me the way to, to say this, to produce healing and, and to be life-giving. And, and we are going to talk about racism this morning. We are going to talk about prejudice but, but, but this, this area also applies to multiple areas in our life. I, I want to say this. I, I'm, I'm about to hit 25 years of full-time ministry this August. 25 years of full-time ministry. I didn't know I was that old, everybody, but I am. And uh, I've, never, I've never taught on this subject. Not one time. And actually, I'm embarrassed to say I've never taught on this subject. And, and I think it was because it was just never an issue for me. Like I just, I've never, I guess it was settled in me a long time ago, and it just, it, I just, ne- but today's the day. Today's the day we're going to talk about something that, that really not just applies to racism and prejudice, but really in, in lots of areas of our lives, the overlying factor is there, the, the, tr- the fundamental truth is there that we can build our lives upon. And um, it's going to start in, in the book of Galatians. And that's where we're going to go first. Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. At this part of it, I would dare say they crossed over from translation into paraphrase, but I still love the way that this reads. It goes, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. You could also view that as, you can view that as obey the law of love. The law of Christ is the law of of love. It's the law of grace. It's the law of mercy. It's the law of compassion. They're all, they're all intertwined. If you think, verse three, if you think you are too important to help somebody, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that, and here's the paraphrase part of it, you're just not that important. And, and what it's saying there is, let me, let me clarify something right off the bat. What it's saying there is not, it's not that you're not important. It's just that you're not more important than the next person. You're not more important than anybody else in this world. That God shows no favoritism, the Bible says. There's no favoritism with God. You're not more important than the next person. 
You're, let me say it this way. You're not more important than the person that you hate. Or uh, we, we never allowed our kids to say hate. They would say, well, I really hate them. We're like, no, we don't say hate. Well, I strongly dislike them. Okay, well, we're making progress. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're not more important. If you think of the most vile person, the, the, the biggest of sinners, can I, can I tell you something? That God's love is so amazing. It's so huge. It's so grand. It, there, there's nothing that compares to it. And his love is extravagant for you, but his love is also extravagant for the most vile of sinners. And he shows no favoritism. Everybody got that? So you, you can see there are some things happening in the world right now that I don't like. There's some things happening in our nation right now that I don't like, that I look at and say, that's just wrong. I mean, let's be honest about it, everybody. If we're, if we're watching national news tonight, we go home and we watch the news and they're showing rioters and they're showing looters. There's something inside of us that says, oh, can you believe that? That's just wrong. Well, it is wrong. And a lot of times, a lot of times the world makes this a skin issue, but the truth of the matter is it's actually a sin issue. I have never made a decision because I never thought to myself, well, I'm white, so I'm, I must make this decision because I'm white. I've, I don't make skin issues. I make heart, I make decisions based upon the heart based upon the motives of my, I don't make skin, skin is not what drives me in my life, and it doesn't drive you either. Have you ever looked at your sin, well, obviously I'm white, so I gotta, I gotta go this way, or obviously I'm Hispanic, so I've gotta go this way, or obviously I'm black, so I have to believe this way. I mean, think about that, everybody. Like, like we, we, it's not a skin issue. What's happening in our nation right now is a sin issue, and it's the sin of racism, it's the sin of prejudice, and in there, there, no doubt there's people that are, that are just doing appalling things, but they're doing what's in their heart to do. Does everybody get that so far? And in doing that, in seeing that, we say, well, what's our response? And we all have this background. We all have this, this history of how we grew up and what we were taught to believe. And, and, and there's going to be some things that might be revealed in your life this morning that you're not comfortable with. And I want to say this before, before I go any further, that you're saying, okay, well, you're a white guy talking about, you know, uh, black people or about, uh, you know, uh, well, we're going to talk about Native Americans. We're going to talk about a lot of things this morning. Well, you know, can I, can I tell you, I, I don't, I'm not saying that, I, that I'm the perfect person to speak on this. But I, I do want you to know that if my, my youngest daughter is here in, in the room this morning and she's black and I love her more than more than you could ever imagine. Well, just like you would love your own child, right? And, and she's not African-American, she's Haitian-American. And I just want to say this up front that, that there's just not one racist bone in my body. There's just not. I just love people. I love people. And I know as I look across this room as, as people of all different races and ethnicities, they come in, you guys love them the way that I love them. And I'm so proud of you, but I'm going to bring up some things that, that might be in you this morning. You didn't even know they were there. And, and, and before I, I go any further, and, and I, I, there's something very purposeful that I want to say as I start into this because of what's happening in this nation. And I normally don't talk about politics. I normally, you know what, I, you know what we do here at New Song? We just teach the word of God. 
Because the word of God will teach you how to vote. The word of God will tell you who to support. The, the word of God will reveal injustice to you. The word of God will teach you what's right in this nation and what's wrong in this nation. The word of God does those things. And so I, I don't sit up here to make political uh, statements. I, I'm, not a poli- I'm not a politician. I'm not a political guy. I pay attention to it, but I am a believer through and through. I'm a Christ follower through and through, and I just believe in teaching the word of God. Now, that being said, I'm going to make one statement this morning, and I think everybody in this room is going to agree with me, that we have multiple um, civil servants in our church that serve in the Plymouth Police Department, they serve in the Marshall County uh, Sheriff's Department. We have high, Indiana Highway Patrolmen here in our church. And, and, and just for the record, if you're, if you're here in the room and you serve in that capacity or you're watching online, you serve in that capacity, for the record, I want to say that I respect you. I honor you. I am proud of you. And I support you in all things. And I, I am proud to be your friend. And I'm so glad that you go to church here at New Song. Actually, I see Steve sitting right over here. He's a Plymouth Police Department officer. Everybody, that, can, can I tell you something? Our, our law enforcement officials are here to protect and to serve and if you, were to hear, if you were to hear stories that Steve tells who's sitting right here in the room, we had other police officers here at the first service. I'm, I'm trying to see, but the lights are hard to see, everybody. Can I tell you, when they tell you stories of how they protect and how they love and how they serve and how they care for this community, you, you would do nothing but look up to them and say, these men and women are, are willing to lay down their life for you. And I think that's amazing, everybody. And I support them. And I'm, I'm just proud to call them my friends. I really am. So if you're looking for a political statement, there you go. You got one. And if you don't like police, I'm sorry. I, I do. I do. I'm glad that they're here. I'm glad that they're here to protect me and my family and my church and my community and my state. I'm just glad that they're here, everybody. And I think you need to show them appreciation, too. Let, let, me, say, let me say this about this verse of Scripture. Let's get back to it, that we have to share each other's burdens, share each other's burdens, share each other's burdens. Uh, let me say it this way. Our task is not to share, our task is to share burdens but not compare burdens. And I'm going to explain this to you in a second. Our task is to share burdens, but not compare burdens. You know, to compare yourselves with one another, the Bible says, is not wise. We are to share burdens, not compare burdens. A lot of times we have these burdens on our life that are so heavy, and we're only thinking about our own burden. We never consider what other people are going through. We are so concerned about our own burden that we don't know what our brothers and sisters are going through or what they've dealt with. We, we only know how we were raised. We only know how we think. We only know, and we don't fully understand uh, uh, people that have not lived the life that we've lived. Maybe they lived a different life and we just don't fully understand, but we're so thinking about us that we've failed to think about them. And, and, and I'm going to teach you about that today. In fact, I, I have the, the, something that happened in my life um, through the course of, of a college year, so for about eight months, that was really trans, trans, transforming in my life. I, I want to say this, that I was raised in Oklahoma, rural Oklahoma. My dad was a pastor. We were very, very poor. Um, uh, just all growing up, my, my dad would take the, either plant a church or take over a church that was about to close this door. And he, he would grow it to 100, 150 people. It would be so stable and life-giving. And we'd be living the dream. And then my dad would say, okay, we're going to resign and go to another church. 
and his was a ministry of revitalization. So I saw a lot of stupidity, but we never had money, everybody. We never had money. In fact, one time, one time, my dad was in this dysfunctional church, and uh, my mom and dad bought a car, and the church just thought that my mom and dad shouldn't own a car like that. And it was, you know what it was? A Honda Civic, everybody. We're not talking a Cadillac. It was just a Honda Civic. And the church people, they stopped tithing so that my parents would not be able to pay the bills. Well, if you're going to buy that car, we're just not giving time. How many know people are stupid? Come on, everybody. You know it's true. People can be stupid, can't they? And, and just petty. And, and that's the world I grew up in. But again, my daddy's calling was to take those churches and, and just to suffer for a little while. And, and then those churches would become healthy again and strong and life-giving. And then we'd go do it again. And... Um, so here I am at college, Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri, this rural southern boy. I walk into my room, and I get to know my, my roommate. His name was David. And in college, we had a suite, and it was one room and then a bathroom that connected to another room. So two guys in this room and then a bathroom that, that we shared with two other guys. It was called a suite. So I, I met my suite mate that day, the guy that lived on the other side of the bathroom. We shared a bathroom, and his name was Anthony Ray, but nobody called him Anthony Ray. His name was A. Ray. And A. Ray was like the star wide receiver on our football team at, at college. And he was, he was uh, obviously an African-American, um, totally different from me. You got this southerner, this rural Oklahoma boy next to this inner city Black guy that was so athletic, so strong. I mean, you know, like, like guys, girls, doesn't matter. When this guy took off his shirt, you know, because he'd always walk around without a shirt on. You know why? Because he had muscles. And you could see every single one of them. You know what I'm talking about? He didn't have a six-pack. He had an eight-pack. I, I think it was a nine-pack. I think there was another muscle stuffed in there somewhere. And trust me, he wasn't afraid to show it off everybody. This guy was cut. And I wasn't like anything like that at all, you know. And, uh, and, and, and he would talk, and, and I would understand him. I was from Oklahoma. And to tell you the truth, I had never been around a black person before. My entire life, I'd never been around a black person. Because I, I'm, and I'm so sad to say this, but I grew up in towns that when a black family was just driving through, there'd be somebody there to say, hit the road, keep going, don't stay here. It's just the way it was. Never been around a black guy. And I'd have to tell him, dude, slow down. I can't understand. And he'd go off and, you know, use this inner city talk and these inner city words. And, and I didn't know what the guy was saying. <laughs> I didn't know. And he's like, and he's teased me. He's like, you talk so slow, man. Like, I don't, I'm normal, you know? And he's like, no, you're not normal. I'm normal. And we were fighting about who's normal. And and then, then, then um, he would say certain things about, well, you know, you're, you're a white guy. You don't know what trouble's all about. I'm like, what? Don't know what trouble's all about? How, man, I was poor, rural Oklahoma. Like, I mean, I, I mean come on, ever. There, there were times that we, had, that we had nothing to eat. I, I, I've told some people this, and, and this is, long time gone, but there was one time that was so bad. It was springtime, and we had no food. We didn't have any place to get food. And my dad, he, he just looked at us. He said, I got to go hunting. I, I got to go. 
I got to go take something. And he, he went out in the woods. And it wasn't, it wasn't deer season, everybody, but he took a deer. And, and he cleaned it in the garage, and, and it was our meal. And it, he was just feeding his family. And he wasn't, he wasn't and looking back, I, I've, I asked him about that before he passed away. I said, Dad, do you ever regret that? He said, you know, I do. He said, I, he said in the moment, I was just feeding my family. And, and if you want to know the truth, he just shot a little, a little button buck. But it fed us. And he was glad to have fed us, but he said, you know what? Maybe I didn't trust God enough to provide it to me the right way. I thought, well, how many know that we sometimes make mistakes, you know? That was the life I grew up. My, my dad, he, he didn't know what to do, so it was just, I got to go out and shoot it. I got I to go, I got to feed my family. And I'm looking at A-Ray and saying, man, you don't understand how I grew up. And he's like, you don't understand how I grew up. At least you had a dad. I didn't have a dad. I grew up in the inner city. My mom had to work. I had to take care of myself and I had to take care of my siblings. I didn't have a dad to provide for us. We were barely making it. In fact, I had to join a gang in order just to survive. I had to join a gang just to be able to walk to school in safety because I know my friends had my back. Well, I didn't understand that life. And he certainly didn't understand my life. And out of those conversations, me and A-Ray... This very odd couple, (laughs) we became friends, and we became dear friends. And I I remember thinking, man, I love that guy, and he loved me. And I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you today that what happened in in that that freshman year of my college experience, what happened that freshman year, because he graduated, I wasn't around him after that, but what happened was we learned, A-Ray and I learned to share each other's burdens and not compare each other's burdens. We learned to share each other's burdens and not compare each other's burdens. And we found out that we really weren't so different after all. I'm going to tell you some things. Again, this is very honest with you. On one side of my parents, well, one of my parents' side of the family Every time we would get together with them at Christmas and Thanksgiving and just throughout the year, I would hear the N-word four or five times a day. And I knew as a child, that's not right. What are they doing? That's not right. I used to tell my mom and dad, I don't want to go to their house. They they use this word all the time, and it's not right. And over the course of time, I want to say this, in that surrounding, surrounded by people, you know, words are powerful and produce results. Even negative words are powerful and produce results. And I remember being raised and hearing this all the time and always never liking it. But all of a sudden, after years of it, I started thinking these thoughts. Well, they do have a point there. Well, that does make a little bit of sense. And I went to my dad one day and I said, Dad, you know, they always say these things and I realize that that does kind of make sense. I'll tell you something. My dad set me straight. He just set me straight. And he said, Justin, we, are, we do not walk that path. 
We do not think that about people. We love every single person because they are made in the image of God and we are to love them and care for them and serve them. And I remember thinking, man, my dad's right. I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. I'm going to serve people and love people for the rest of my life. Can I tell you something? Can I go in a little, little deeper now? As you know, my daughter is here in this room. And seven, it was seven years ago. Well, actually, her, no, 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 no. Her gotcha day was just four days ago. Her, her gotcha day is when we brought her from Haiti here into the United States. And we celebrated that. We took her out for ice cream and we celebrated her gotcha day. And I remember uh, going to, when we first got her, when she first came to live with us, I, I, I took my whole family to visit, you know, my, my family in Oklahoma, that side of the family. And and my wife and I had to have a conversation. What if they say something about our daughter? What are we going to do? And we prayed, Lord, let them not say anything. But if they do, they better watch out. So how many know it's not just mama bears that protect, protect their cubs? Daddy bears do too. Well, you know what? We took my daughter there. And the good news is they didn't say anything negative. The bad news is they didn't say anything positive. They said nothing. They acted like she wasn't even there. And, and that technically is their relative, their cousin, their niece. Their, you, see, you know what I'm saying? Because how, that's how deep-rooted it is in their lives. Can I tell you, that grieves me. I wish they weren't like that. And I prayed for them about that. There might be some people here in this room right now. Maybe you were raised hearing things that you knew inside wasn't right. And maybe you've heard it so much that you, you find yourself leaning a certain direction. Maybe, maybe there's some things inside that you've never even told anybody. I was so grateful that God gave me the wisdom as a, as a teenager to go to my dad and talk to my dad. And I'm so grateful that I had a dad who listened to me in a very loving way, set me straight and told me who I am in Christ and that Jesus Christ died for every single person that was ever born, that is ever living or ever will be born. And we are to love them the way that Christ loves them. Amen. That's how we're supposed to live. So I, I guess what I'm asking is, is there a blind spot in your life? And after the first service, I thought, you know what? There's probably not. There's probably no blind spots in our life. I think we're all, we're all good Christians. We're all fine. And my phone has told me the opposite. Where people have started sharing things with me. In fact, even as I'm up here, I can feel it vibrating on, on, on the table, telling me that people are still trying to text me. And I don't know why they're doing that while I'm preaching. I have no idea. People do that. Um, because there was, some, there was a blind spot in their life that they didn't know was there. And today we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us on that. Is that Okay. And we're going to do that just by, by looking at one other portion of Scripture. John chapter 11, verse 30 says, Now let me give you the background. Lazarus, Lazarus is sick. Mary and Martha sent for Jesus. 
And, and Jesus told his disciples, now we'll get there soon. I, I know that this is just sickness. It's not going to really lead to death. And, and hey, I got plans. And, but we're just going to hang out here for a couple more days. And he finally makes his way to the family. Okay, so that's the setup for the story. Now, no doubt when, when Jesus hears the news of Lazarus' sickness, and they say, hey, come, come, come this way. We need you. Lazarus is about to die. I really believe because Jesus was so close with Mary and Martha and Lazarus that he was very sympathetic. He knew, Jesus knew that they were having bad days. And he was, no doubt, he was sympathetic. He was feeling bad for them. And I'm going to show you this in Scripture. We're going to go deeper than that. And I'm going to point out something that maybe you've never seen before as you've read the story or heard the story. It says, Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Of course, Martha runs out there to meet him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Because obviously Lazarus, by the time Jesus arrived, had already died. He'd already been in the tomb. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet and said the same thing that actually Martha said earlier, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And remember that, it's like, well, if you'd been here, he, he wouldn't have died, he'd still be with us. Well, well, Jesus sees her weeping, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And here's the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty-five. 35. Jesus wept. So, so a couple of days ago, he knows exactly what's going to happen. He feels bad for Mary and Martha. He has sympathy for them. But he tells his disciples, don't worry, this isn't going to result in death. I'm going to go there and, and, and Lazarus is going to be fine. You're just going to have to trust me. So he had sympathy for them. But when he arrived on the scene and he saw Mary and he saw Martha and he saw all of these people mourning, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Now he knew, he knew what he was there to do. He knew that Lazarus was going to come out of the ground, right? He knew that. But he, in the moment, wept. Now, we're not talking, and the Bible's very clear about this. We're not talking Jesus cried. We're not talking just a couple of teardrops came out of his eyes. No, Jesus wept. We're, we're talking, everybody, we're talking snot bubbles here. Like Jesus was weeping for this family. Knowing full well that Lazarus was about to be raised from the dead. Jesus, just a couple of days earlier, Jesus had sympathy. He was feeling bad for them. But now that he's with them, now that he's sharing their burden, he is actually feeling the pain that they're feeling. He was feeling bad for them, but now he went past... He went past sympathy and he entered into empathy, which is, I'm not feeling sorry for you. I'm feeling bad with you. I'm feeling bad with you. That's empathy. Sympathy is just feeling bad for you. Empathy is deeper. I'm feeling bad with you. If you cry, I cry. Because I'm empathetic. Let let me see it this, this way, everybody. That Jesus felt their pain before he fixed their pain. That Jesus felt their pain before he fixed their pain. 
So let me address something right there. There might be some people here in this room or listening online, and, and you think, man, I've got the answer. I've got the, I, I know what this nation should do. I know the answer to racism. I know the answer to prejudice. I know the answer to hatred. I know the answer to all of these things, and I've got an opinion about that. And Jesus, he, his, he's teaching us something here. He's showing us through the Holy Spirit. He's showing us something here that you might say that you have the opinion, but before you try to fix anything, you ought to go in there and feel it with them. And that's what A-Ray and I were doing as we were sharing each other's burdens. He was sensing, he was realizing, man, Justin didn't have it easy growing up. And I was looking at A-Ray saying, man, you didn't have it easy growing up. At least I had a dad. You didn't even have a dad. And I, I, was, I was not just feeling bad for him. I was feeling bad with him. I was sharing his burden. I was feeling his pain. And all of a sudden, the opinions that I thought I had, I didn't have opinions anymore. I would just look at A-Ray and say, dude, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry you had to go through that. I'm sorry you didn't have a dad. I'm sorry you didn't have money. I'm sorry you had to go into a gang, but praise God you got saved. Praise God you came out of it. Praise God that, that, that you're in this place. And, 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 you know, you, and in fact, everybody, can I be really honest with you? Let's go even deeper. Let's go even deeper. Because A-Ray at one point looked at me, he's like, well, it's easy for you to get in college. I mean, you got white folks. Well, I was offended by that. Well, because my parents, they couldn't afford a penny. I, every time I went to college, every year when I was going back, you know how you go back and you register again and you get in line and you go through financial aid and they say, they say to you, hey, well, how much money did you bring with you? Nothing. Nothing. Well, we don't know if you're going to get in. Well, show me the loans because that's all I can do. My parents never had anything to pay on college. That's why I walked out of college with $45,000 worth of debt. Don't do that, by the way. Not wise. It'll haunt you for, for years, maybe even decades. Okay, so side note on that. Uh, I'm not a believer in college debt. I'm just not. Uh, and, I, and he's thinking, well you're, well, you're white. Your family has everything. Of course, what? My parents don't have, they're not paying a dime. I'm doing this myself. I'm working because I, I want to go to college. I, I, and, and, and I told him, he's like, well, yeah, but you got scholarships. Well, you know what the truth of the matter was? As a musician, I was a music major. The maximum scholarship we could get in the music department was $2,000. You, you know how much um, tuition was throughout the course of two semesters? $25,000. I got a $2,000 scholarship. A Ray, he was a stud. He caught a pigskin, and they gave him a full ride. And I'm looking, he's looking at me, well, you got white parents. I'm looking at him, yeah, but you got a full ride. What see, see, he had opinions about me, and I had opinions about him, and all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, that's awesome. You got a full ride. There's, there, there wouldn't have been a chance in the world that he could have, he could have went to college without that. His parents certainly didn't have it. He didn't even have a dad. You see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, what, what he looked at me and he's like, oh man, I had you all wrong. And I looked at him and said, dude, I had you all wrong. And we became very close friends. And at the end of my freshman year, at the end of his senior year, we were best friends. Because we stopped comparing burdens. 
and we started sharing burdens. And, and we got in there and we had relationship with one another. And, 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 and I wasn't trying to fix his pain and he wasn't trying to fix my pain. We were just feeling each other's pain. And through that brought camaraderie, it brought love, it, it, it brought compassion towards one another and, and friendship with one another. And can I, tell you, I, can I tell you something? Before you have an opinion, before you think you can fix the world, can you just have a conversation with somebody who's different than you and feel what they felt and share their burden? But could it be that we're so overloaded with the burden that we have, that we're so focused on the burden that we have, that we never look at somebody else's burden to see what, they gone th- what they've gone through. You know, I, I dealt many years ago now when I first started here in ministry in Plymouth, somebody came to me and they came in and their marriage was just a wreck. The woman had multiple affairs. The, the husband was confused. And I thought, Lord, I, I don't know how to fix this. And I just didn't feel it was in me to be able to fix it. I said, God, I just need you. And as they came in, and I sat down with them. I said, guys, I don't even know where to begin. Like, this has got to be God. So let's just pray before we go any further. Let's just pray. And so we just bowed our heads and we started praying. And as we were praying, the Lord showed me some things. And, and, and deep inside. And we got through praying and I looked at the woman and I said, now this is no excuse for the sin that is in your life. This is no excuse. But were you abused as a child? And she started weeping. And she said, Pastor, more times than I care to remember. Okay, I can't fix this. But God can. God's going to fix this. And, and I learned before I tried helping them, before I, before I formed opinions, before I said, okay, I want you to do this and this, and this is going to work on it, this is going to fix it. No, before we went that, we, we, I just had to feel their pain. I had to feel her pain. And her husband had to feel that pain. And when he felt her pain, when he shared the burden, healing started taking place. And they are very much happily married to this day. In fact, they, they moved away, but they actually teach marriage small groups at their church because of what God did in their life. That's amazing, isn't it? See, see, before you go try to fix things, can we just feel what the other people feel? Can we share their burden? Because your burden is not any more important than their burden. That's what Galatians is saying. That's what Paul is saying to the church of Galatia. I was listening to Pastor Chris Hodges just a few weeks ago. He made some statements, and he was addressing this issue, and I said, I've got to, I've got to teach these to you, and it's going to go very, very quickly. But you might want to write these three. This is, how, this is our response. What, what's our response to the world? What's our response to people who aren't like us, who have a different story? What's our response to prejudice? What's our response to racism? What's our response to all of those things? Here's three things I want you to remember. The first thing is this. We need to learn. We need to learn. 
We need, to, we need to hear their story. We need to share their burden. We need to go into a relationship without a, without a preformed opinion and just say, let me just get to know who you are. Let, let me just be your friend. Let me just hear your story. And in it, they're going to ask your story, and you're going to start, you're gonna start uh, building a strong friendship, a true friendship, because you're going to be sharing each other's burdens. You're going to be learning. You're going to be learning from one another. Can I tell you one of the best things to do, if you have any level of prejudice in your life, if you have any level of, of racism in your life, one of the greatest things that you could do is find somebody who's different from you and say, you know what, I just want to be your friend. I just want to get to know you. Hey, can you come over to my house for dinner and serve them dinner and say, just tell me your story. Tell me your story. And when they do, and you go, you move, you're moved into sympathy, and then you move past sympathy into empathy, and you feel with them. You don't just feel for them, but you feel with them, and you feel their hurt, and you feel their pain, and you, you, you know about their history, you know about their upbringing, and, and you, you respond to that in love. Can I tell you something? The walls just start crumbling down, and you're able to, to love each other, truly love each other. That doesn't mean you can fix all of the issues, but it means you can certainly feel what they're going through and you can love them in it and through it. You see, you need to learn. You need to learn. So I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again. Whenever I, I see, especially, especially black families here in town, African-American families here in town, when I come across them, I immediately, I immediately try to start a conversation, talk to them, and invite them to church. I've pulled over the side of the road, just seen, just seen uh, families out in the yard, and, and, and I just pull over and say, hey, guys, don't want to scare you. You know, this big white guy walking up to him. Uh, hey, man, I'm just a pastor here in town. I wanted to introduce myself. You know what? They have always, they, they, they've just been so welcoming. By the way, not just African-Americans, but I do that to white people too. They're, they're, if you just walk up to him and say, hey, I just want to introduce myself to you. I'm just making some new friends. I'm, I'm, well, you can't say this, but I do. I'm the pastor at New Song here in town. I just want to invite you to church. Can I tell you, man, they stick their hands out. They shake my hand. I've gotten hugs from total strangers. And I love it, everybody. I love it. I love it. I love it. And you know why I do that? Because I have a feeling that not very many people do. Well, they're different. Yeah. Hey, New Song? We are called to love. One of the first ways to do that is to learn. Just get to know them. Just get to know, and I'm not just talking about African American. I'm talking about any, anybody that's different from you. Just get to know them. And then the second thing is learn from them, lament. When A-Ray started telling me about his being raised by a single mom, brothers and sisters that were all half brothers and sisters, multiple fathers, having to join a gang. I remember just lamenting with him. Man, I'm sorry, dude. I thought I had it rough. Man, you had it rough. I'm sorry. He would talk about mis being mistreated by people, being looked down at by people. He, he told me, he said, sometimes I'd go in stores, and just because I'm black, people think I'm stealing something. And I would tell them, dude, I'm sorry, man. That was wrong of them. That was wrong of them. I'm sorry. Just lament with them. 
and then love. We learn, we lament, and then we love. We love as Christ loved. I say all of that to say this. That God shows no favoritism. And the person that you're not very comfortable around, God loves them just as much as he loves you. And they are valuable to God. And I'm so proud of you, New Song, that no matter who walks through these doors on a Sunday morning, and we have a wide range of people that attend New Song here, and I absolutely love it. I love it. That no matter who comes through these doors, you're so welcoming, you're so inviting. But is there a blind spot in your life? Were you told things as a child that you just started kind of believing? Were you told things growing up by maybe even other family members like in my world that you said, well, maybe they got a point there. And, and, and you just started leaning in a direction that you never meant to, to lean, but it was away from a certain people group. Can I tell you, today is a day that we repent of that. Today's a day that we turn our back on racism, we turn our back on prejudice, and we just love people. No matter who they are, no matter their background, we just love people. As we live for the glory of the Lord. Maybe that's you, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so grateful I'm not like my family members. Why I wish God would change their hearts. I really do. So it breaks my heart that they think thoughts that they should never think. You know what I'm talking about? It's just wrong. Let's love the way that Jesus loves. Let's care the way that Jesus cares. Let's treat everybody the same. Let's serve. Let's be gracious. Let's have the right attitude. Let's share each other's burdens. But as long as you're focused on your own, you'll never notice the person's next to you. If you're focused on your own burden, you'll never be able to share somebody else's. Can I tell you, that's not right. The Bible is very clear that we share each other's burdens. Help somebody carry theirs. We learn we lament, and we love. I've taught this to the best of my ability, and now it's the Holy Spirit's job to do the work in all of us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I realize there's some people maybe here in this room listening online that they have a blind spot in their life. Maybe they just grew up being taught to think a certain way that just wasn't in accordance with your word. So we know what your word says, that we are called to love unconditionally, to love as Jesus loved, to serve as Jesus served, to care as Jesus cared. We're reminded of the Samaritan woman 
where all the religious people were looking down at her. But not you, Jesus. You sought her out. Not to put her down, but to lift her up. To share her burden. And in fact, to deliver her. Heavenly Father, help us to be imitators of Christ. That we would not think one skin color is better than any other skin color. That we would realize that what we have in our nation right now is not just a skin issue, it is a sin issue. And if all of our nation just loved the way that Jesus loved, this problem wouldn't be there. We're just asking that you start in us. Start here at New Song. If there's any wickedness in us, any evil in us, any sin in us, any racism in us, any prejudice in us, Heavenly Father, rip it out by the power of your Spirit. Take it out of us. We don't want to be racist. We don't want to be prejudiced. We, we want to love as Jesus loved. So rip it out of us, I pray. If it's a blind spot, reveal it to us. Now, if the Lord has already revealed that blind spot in your life, if you are sitting here today, say, you know what, Pastor? Sometimes I deal, I deal with it. Sometimes... I look down at others. Sometimes I, I feel I might show racism every now and then. I, maybe I am prejudiced. Did you just feel the Holy Spirit pointing out a blind spot in your life? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I would never want to call you out like that or embarrass you. I'm certainly not going to ask you to come down. I'm just going to pray a prayer. And with your whole heart, I want you to pray this prayer. This is a big issue. It goes like this, Jesus, thank you for showing me the blind spot in my life. I don't want to live like that. And today, with all of my heart and all sincerity, I repent. I repent of it. I turn my back on that way of thinking. And in this day, I choose to love like you love Jesus. I choose to imitate you in this life. I will love everybody equally and I will show no favoritism and I will care for the hurting and I will share the burdens of others and I will live for reconciliation and I will live for restoration. Help me to be the person I'm called to be as I live for the glory of Jesus' name. Thank you for changing my heart. And thank you that as of this moment, I am free from prejudice. I am free from racism. I am free from looking down at others. 
free from judgmentalism. I'm just free, and I thank you for it. Now, Holy Spirit, strengthen me so that I would never go back into that way of thinking. Renew my mind, I pray, and help me to love in sincerity and in truth. And I thank you for doing this incredible work in me. And I pray it in Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.